Hello. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hi, everybody. What's going on? We're happy you're here. It's Lindsay and Krista. Krista. I like to make it think that you just answered the phone. I say, hello. Hello? Remember that That's... prank call? The or, show? Or no, the prank um, voice message where you'd have a voicemail that was like, hello? That's every grandmother. Hello? They're no. like, hello? No. It was a voicemail where you act, you're like, hey, I can't hear you. And then you'd be like, hey. And like, just kidding. You never, you didn't have that? Maybe that's an Ohio thing. I was like, Ohio. So in Ohio, where I grew up, <laughs> the nasty Cincinnati, the nasty natty, which is, it isn't nasty, it's beautiful, but you used to have a voicemail where it would be like, hello, it would click and it would say hello. And you'd say hello. And you'd say hello. And, and you'd have the person kind of playing along. And then you'd be like, oh, prank. And it's a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio, the land of pranks, baby. Pranking. That's why I can't wait to have kids so we can, I can prank oh them. Oh, my God. I'm going to totally. prank my kids. Totally. They're going to be like, yeah, they're gonna be like, I'm too. <laughs> I'm like, prank. But I feel like every older person is like, hello. Mm-hmm. You, I'm not here right now. Or yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah, it is. It's the, it, it's the up. Hello. hello. Yeah. Even hello. when anybody answers the phone. Hello. Or hello, how do I answer the phone? Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> hello, this is Lindsay. Come to our podcast for this. Okay, hello. <laughs> came for glucose goddess. You're getting this. <laughs> I'm excited about this one. Um, we've been, me and Jesse have been DMing for a while. Love when her. I mean, honestly, the IG followers were low, and now she's popping off, and it's incredible. Yeah, I love how helpful and easy to understand she makes everything. And I do think the conversation around blood sugar is incredibly important. I think it's long awaited and long overdue for us to be mindful about this aspect. And I know you guys are so curious. So this mm-hmm. is chock full of so much information and resources and insight. And it was so much fun to have her in studio. Yeah. If you don't know her, Jesse is the glucose goddess on Instagram. She has a new book out, Glucose Revolution. Yeah. It's been pretty life-changing for a lot of people. And I've absolutely noticed a difference. She has this concept of dressing your carbs, which is so easy to remember. And I've just noticed one, my hunger doesn't come as quickly after I'm eating carbs if I'm able to dress them in a fat or a protein. I gave this example earlier to Krista, like if you're having melon, uh, the glucose levels are much lower if you wrap it in something like prosciutto. So it's just Europeans always know. I know, dude. They always know. Literally. And like butter, you know, on your avocado, Mm -hmm. uh, even, you know, even cheese, like just different things that can lower the spike of glucose. And I've just noticed energy levels. I'm more satiated. I'm happier. Yes. (laughs) Ever eat oatmeal in the morning and then like crash? Crash. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. It's so easy to follow her advice. There is a bit of food combining element too, where it's having something like broccoli tofu first and then having the rice later can really, really help your blood glucose levels not spike with having the rice first. Apple cider vinegar is also key. Dude, I've been doing it. Olivia, Organic Olivia, our homie, also has like talked a lot about that, how having apple cider vinegar can really, really help keep your your blood sugar levels stable. Yes. I I have apple cider vinegar every day. It's a, it's a cure-all. I don't, I'm not an expert, but it truly is. It, oh, do that. Yeah, brags. <laughs> the brand, they call it the mother. <laughs> call it mom. Yeah. Uh, she gives this really interesting tip around apple cider vinegar. So say you want to eat ice cream. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> you're like, mm, ice cream, sour apple know, cider vinegar. <laughs> she says, drink one teaspoon of vinegar diluted in water and eat 10 almonds before wow. eating your ice cream. And you will just experience like a very, very, very low glucose spike. And then take a walk afterwards. Mm-hmm. Have ice cream. Take a walk. Yes. A lot of us just like lay and veg after eating, which I totally understand I do. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. However, if you have an opportunity to take a little walk, I always feel better. Yeah. If I walk after I eat. And it's nice to connect with people after. Yeah. You know, kind of for me, just go on my phone and stare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really liked to the information about your smoothie. So having protein powder and a fat in your smoothie helps with the blood sugar glucose spike. And basically all smoothies aren't created equal. So it's really great to have fruit Mm -hmm. and have those like micronutrients in your smoothie, but it's really important to have a protein and a fat to support you and having healthy, balanced energy levels. Mm -hmm. So this conversation is going to go there. I cannot wait. We're going to be talking cravings. We're going to be talking why, why glucose levels are important. Even if you're not diabetic, we talk about the effects on skin. We talk about the effects on your cycle as women. It is incredible. And I'm so excited to bring this to you. Yeah. And what I love this is all science fact. So she is a biochemist. Mm -hmm. So I know there's just like a lot of information on Instagram in Mm -hmm. general. And I never know if it's like, okay, what's, is this backed by science? Like what's happening? So this is all backed by science. So save this episode, make sure you share it with a friend. And we would love to know if you're incorporating some of Jessie's incredible tips when it comes to balancing your blood sugar. Make sure you get her new book, Glucose Revolution. It's in 30 languages. So wherever you are in the world, you can get it. Casual. Mm -hmm. If you love this one, share it with a friend. This is such a good one to spark conversation with your health and wellness fitness, health and wellness friends. Um, That's also how we've grown the show. It's just really great. It's so meaningful to have someone share a podcast with you like they thought of you. And then we also have Morning Microdose, which has incredible, insightful, parts of almost 30 in small doses, five days a week. It's five to 10 minutes of the best of the best from almost 30. There's no intro. There's no outro. It's just the good stuff in there. So many people are loving it and I'm so proud of it. Yeah. Love, 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 love. Five days a week. Okay. Enjoy this one. Get your notebooks out and we will see you on the other side. Did you first find out that you're an alien? Oh, that's a good question. Or have you always known? No, 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 no. I think recently, maybe like over the past Five years or so, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Just slowly, you know, because mm-hmm. I grew up in France and I lived in London mm-hmm. and I lived in Philadelphia and D.C. I mean, not many aliens there that I had found. I know. I was like, wow. That's an <laughs> interesting transition. is beautiful. Yes. I'm like, damn. People are probably just in, in awe of you. Just like your, your aura and your... Wow. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, like so model. I think since I moved to California, you know, wow. and yeah. then kind of moved out. I was in the tech scene for a long time. And then I moved out of that and I started connecting with like spirituality yeah. and artists and I had an amazing therapist and I started having all these sort of internal journeys and visions and I started writing a bunch, making music. And then it became more and more clear. Um, but I had a lot of mental health issues when I was younger. And mm-hmm. that was a big part of, you know, learning that being human is fucking weird. Yes. It's so fucking yeah. weird. Yeah, that's starseed vibes mm-hmm. where you have that where you're like, what am I doing? What was your mental health journey as a child? So as a child, it was fine. But then when I was 19, I broke my back. And then jumping off a waterfall in Maui. Wow. I want to rip off my headphones and never hear that. Oh. Wow. So that sucked. And after that, 
I felt like my brain sort of like split in half. And I was super confused about why I had a body. I had very intense surgery. And during the surgery, I totally thought I was going to die. And so I think part of me just kind of left and was like, okay, we're dead. Like, ciao. Mm -hmm. And so that part then made me feel like I wasn't completely whole. And I was always like, why am I in this body? Like, why do I feel weird about just existing? I think it's because part of me was like, you're dead. So anyway, that journey of like unifying everything and processing the stress of surgery and just everything. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And that was like your awakening. I think so, but it was incredibly, incredibly um, difficult. Mm-hmm. And I kind of pushed it aside for many years because I was in London then. Nobody knew what this was. Nobody told me like, hey, let's do some trauma release. Hey, let's shake. Hey, let's, you know, make a ceremony because you just went through something traumatic. Nothing. It was just not the culture. And so I felt so lost for many, many years. Could never be alone. Never sleep in a house alone. So I had a lot of amazing boyfriends who always made me feel safer. But then at some point, you know, a few years ago, I ended up alone for the first time. And then I had to really go in and heal because otherwise I was just losing my mind. Mm. What, did, what did the healing look like at a high level? A lot of writing, a lot of making music. I started writing music, playing the piano, a lot of just processing the stress through my body from my accident at 19 that I still hadn't processed. So just understanding like, your body and your mind are so connected and my body has held on to so much stress for so long that I really need to take care of it. I really need to, you know, stretch. I need to ground with my hands and my feet. I need to be in salt water. I need to just like go inwards and give my body what it needed. Sleep a lot. I mean, you know, things that are a bit basic, but actually fundamental to feeling better. Yeah, I think that's the whole journey of it all is where you kind of come in and you try all the things and do all the things and then you're like, oh, earth, water, yeah, air. Exactly. It's like so simple. And I started seeing a Buddhist teacher because I thought that was going to help me. But I kept telling her, like, I don't understand which part of me is me. And I was really not okay. And she would say, oh, that's a great question. I just keep that question in your mind. And I was like, I don't think you understand the <laughs> level of, like, despair that this question is. Yeah causing me it's not just a like oh you know I wonder why the sky is blue it was like every second of every day like why am I in this body so the meditation part was not yet appropriate I had to really heal the body and the mental health before I could even entertain these questions from a place of curiosity it was just like super mega fear about existing and that was started from the back breaking yeah wow yeah there's like that yeah, there is just, again, I've said it, but like that starseed feeling or that wanderer feeling or when you come to earth and you're like, why? You're just like, damn, this mm-hmm. is, school of earth is no joke. No, for sure. It's no joke. And it gives me a lot of relief to sort of feel like, actually, you know, I'm just this little. In your la- laboratory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also I'm just this little piece of consciousness. And actually the universe is with me. I'm not alone. And I'm here to like do stuff that you, the universe wants me to do and that's helpful. And I'm not just cut off. And so that brings me a lot of relief. Mm, Instead of trying to figure out why the fuck am I alive and why do I am I in a body? I'm just like, you know what? I'm just like a little soldier of the universe, like Mm -hmm. doing stuff, trying to help people, trying to advance things. And then when I die, I'll go back to the universe and it'll all be cool as well. Take that tight shoe off, as Ram Dass says. (laughs) Um, I'm curious how you got here in Mm. terms of uh, within your career. Because I, when we were talking before, you were noting just 
kind of different points at where you were. They're very different from what you're doing now. So would love to kind of bring people up to speed as to how you got here. For sure. So when I broke my back, I was living in London and I was studying mathematics as an undergrad. Mm -hmm. And the reason I was studying math is because at the end of high school, I had no passions. I didn't know what I liked. I was just kind of a you know, really good student, good daughter, like, no, 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 no. So I had no clue what to do in my studies. My stepdad told me something that is, to this day, I think the best piece of advice I've ever gotten in my life. He said, if you don't know what to do, do the hardest thing you can. Mm. So I thought, I'm going to go and study mathematics because that's probably, you know, in my mind, that was like the hardest subject you could study. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And It was a really good move because then after that, I could go and do whatever I wanted once I started developing more passions. So finish my undergrad, then I move to the U.S. That's where I start realizing that I need to learn how to understand my body because since my accident, I just felt so disconnected. So I thought, I'm going to go in and try to just learn about the body and the mind and how it all works. So I went to D.C. I did a master's in biochemistry started learning about the body. And actually, when I learned about all the things that are in a cell, for the first time, I was like, okay, I think God exists. Mm -hmm. Because the complexity of the little rhizomes and the enzymes and the little scissors on your DNA, I'm just like, whoa. I mean, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's insane. So (laughs) that was quite amazing. And then after that, I thought, okay, now I want to go work in the forefront of health. So health tech. And for me, you know, at that point I was 22, I thought that must be Silicon Valley. That must be the place where the most exciting stuff is happening to understand the body. So I found this company called 23andMe, which at the time was a small startup. And I begged them for a job and they gave me a job on the product team. And I spent five years there just learning about how you make science accessible for people how you make something cool and exciting out of just honestly boring genetic code. I learned how to work with engineers, designers, scientists. I learned how to make like a business plan and how to convince people that something was a good idea. I just learned so much. But I still didn't have the answer to what do I need to do to wake up feeling good in the morning. I was still completely broken on the inside. I mean, I was hiding it and ignoring it. But my problems from my accident, the mental health stuff, still there. Not one step closer to feeling better. And then something kind of amazing happened. And this was one of the, you know, universe uh, little acts. I had the opportunity to wear a continuous glucose monitor. Completely randomly because we were doing a pilot study at 23andMe testing new technologies. And I put this on, girls. And for me, it was like a, you know, a light bulb moments like cartoon vibes because I could finally see on my phone the inside of my body. I finally felt like I had a channel of communication with this organism that I had been completely cut off from. So that was amazing. I was like, hey body, okay, I eat something and I see how my blood sugar reacts. And I started like having this relationship with myself that I had never developed before. So that was the beginning of like, you know, just my new life. And then I found out something even more amazing. I found out that when I had big glucose spikes, so really rapid increases in blood sugar, those could trigger 
some of these mental health episodes that I had been struggling with for 10 years. So fast forward, I quit 23andMe. I'm like, glucose is the future. I have to understand this. Everybody needs to know about this. I find out that the vast majority of the population has glucose spikes every day, even if they're not diabetic. And the symptoms range from, you know, mental health disturbances to cravings to sleepiness to infertility. I mean, like, this shit is really important. And so I just started to dedicate my life to that. And I just got more and more curious. And I started the Instagram account in April 2019, showing my glucose graphs to people to illustrate science that I had found. And it kind of snowballed. You know, I kind of was just responding to what people wanted, to what people were asking me. And now, like, I'm the glucose goddess, I guess. It's just... Big facts. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Truly is the glucose goddess. So why glucose? Why glucose over looking at other micronutrients? Because glucose is your body's preferred energy. So every cell in your body uses glucose for energy. Your eye cells right now are using glucose to see me. When you write something on your paper over there, your finger cells are using glucose to move the pen. Like, your heart cells use glucose to pump blood. I mean... Glucose is in every single nook and cranny of your body. And the main way we get glucose to our body is by eating starchy and sweet foods. Okay. Now you might think, okay, if glucose is energy, I'm just going to eat as much of it as possible to give my body as much energy as possible. That's where the logic completely breaks down because it's kind of like a plant. A plant needs some water to live, but if you give a plant too much water, it dies. This has happened to me many times. I've had the first-hand experience of just <laughs> killing plants. So the human body is the same. It needs some glucose. But if you give it too much glucose and you create these glucose spikes, a lot of problems happen. And that's just because glucose is so central. So when there's too much glucose, every single cell in your body feels it and suffers because of it. And that just compounds to so many, so many symptoms. Wow. Can we talk about some of those symptoms? Yeah. I feel like there are some that are obvious mm-hmm. to me in my own knowing when I'm having a glucose spike, but would love to talk about those that we don't normally think about as well. So which ones do you think are the most common or obvious? I think for me, <laughs> I love you. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a good interview. Because I don't know anymore. Like totally. Totally. Yeah. You're like every one of them. <laughs> for me, I think there's this intense like energy while I'm like, say eating a, say it's a dessert, mm-hmm. a sugary carb heavy dessert. And then there's a really, really fast and extreme drop in energy where I am just lethargic beyond. Yeah. So that's like a main one for me. Yeah. When it was more carb heavy, I was also a fitness instructor. So I was like less aware of the food I was putting in my body. Because you were spending I was just like, I'm hungry. And then I would work, work out, you know, the complexion of my skin, whether acne or just the dullness or whatever was really, really apparent. And then my sleep is affected. So just on the note about the energy and the crash, I think it's interesting for people to know that when you feel that energy surge, Mm. it's actually not energy. It's dopamine in your brain. It's pleasure. That makes you feel awake. You're like, whoa. "Whoa." And that's actually pleasure. It's like when you have sex, you know, it's the same, the same molecule that gets triggered from a glucose spike. And then the crash is obviously very well known. So the more glucose spikes you have in your life, the more you're going to have these crashes. These crashes increase a few things. They activate the craving center in your brain. So they make you want to eat more, you know, glucose-heavy foods. And that starts what most people call sugar addiction. 
people will say, I'm addicted to sugar. I need to eat sugar every two hours. Actually, that's probably just their glucose spiking and dropping, spiking and dropping, spiking and dropping. And their brain, this craving center in their brain just activating every two hours. So that's a very common symptom. A second pretty common symptom is this energy instability. So instead of feeling at 3 p.m. just like you felt at 10 a.m., you might have huge crashes throughout the day. Feel exhausted 90 minutes after your meals, feel super tired in the afternoon, need caffeine all the time. Very common symptom. Another common one is being hungry very often. So in the same way that these glucose spikes and drops create cravings, they also create hunger. Mm, so you will yes. just be hungry. Totally. Always. These are, to me, in my experience, the most common ones. Then there's other ones. Actually, the skin one is a bit less common, the one you just mentioned. Really fast, sorry, with the hunger. Just yeah. really quickly on that. Is it that you're actually hungry or that you're looking for the glucose spike to keep you up? or Because what's the message that's happening where your mm. body's like, I'm hungry, I need to eat? Well, when your glucose is low, yeah. which happens after a glucose spike, it's just an evolutionary thing that your brain will say, hey, you're low on energy, you need food. Got it. Because in the past, like when our bodies were created a very, very long time ago, that was actually true. Like if your glucose was getting low, you needed to find something to eat pretty soon. In our case, what happens is that your body will naturally just pump out more glucose into your bloodstream to get that level back up. But in the meantime, you feel super hungry. Okay. You see? So you just stay on this cycle where your body's addicted to getting these glucose spikes and then crashes and feels super, super bad. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When I'm at my best, I can do a lot of amazing things. I can be the best friend, the best daughter, the best wife, the best business partner. And the way in which I do that uh, has a few layers, but the main foundational layer is therapy. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. I know a lot of you out there have thought about therapy, but have hesitated, whether it's because growing up, not many people went to therapy or it was very taboo, or you were looked at like something was wrong with you if you went to therapy. But I have to say, this is the best investment I've ever, ever, ever made in myself and will continue to make in myself. And so if you are thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. So there's no friction when it comes to traveling and waiting and being in person. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And switching therapists is really, really easy to do and at no additional cost. So don't worry about that. And I just really love the process. And I have a lot of friends who have tried BetterHelp and have raved about their experience and are still going to therapy and are better for it. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash almost 30. Okay, skin. Skin. So every glucose spike triggers two really important things that have to do with skin. Number one, every glucose spike makes you age. So mm. glucose, when it runs into other molecules in your body, it damages the other molecule. And that's called glycation. So glucose glycates other molecules. And glycation is actually just like cooking. So glucose will cook another molecule. When you put 
a chicken in the oven and it goes from pink to brown, it's been glycated. It's the same process. And inside of our body, from the moment we're born, we start glycating. The more glucose spikes we have, the faster we glycate. The more glucose spikes we have, the faster we cook, basically. You're cooking on the inside. And when you're fully cooked, you die. Okay? This glycation process shows on your skin as wrinkles. And it also damages your organs slowly. So more glucose spikes equals more glycation. Then more glucose spikes equals more inflammation. Mm. That also very prominently shows on your skin. Maybe it's rosacea, psoriasis, you know, acne, all of these different symptoms. And so this to me is really interesting because when I learned about this stuff, I realized, okay, a lot of the times when we have these symptoms, like if we have cravings, for example, or if we have acne, we might feel bad about them. We might feel ashamed. We might want to ignore them, cover them up, medicate them. When actually these are just your body going like, hey, you know, there's some glucose problems within. And if you fix the glucose issue, these symptoms go away. There are messages. Your body cannot speak to you truly, but it's trying to with all of these signals. And that shift was like mind-blowing to me. Because mm-hmm. then you can love it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're like, oh, I love you. You're talking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, my, ba- my back hurts. Yeah. My, and then oh, my take back action. Hurts. Yeah. yeah I should go on a walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or my shoulder hurts. My dad needs to love me more. (laughs) (laughs) But we've lost that connection, you know? We've Uh lost the fact that when you feel a certain way or something happens in your body, that's a message. You know, your body is super wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, it knows way more than your brain. So I think people need to learn to listen to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then try to understand what it's saying. Very often it's saying there are glucose spikes happening within so fixing the glucose thing makes the cravings go away, makes the acne go away. And then it's like a whole new world where your body is now your friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're taking care of it. It's taking care of you. And like, that's happiness. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, like our bodies are the only thing that's like been there for us our whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like from birth, like this is the same body. Obviously cells are completely turned over. Always been there yes mm-hmm. and you're always been there and your body wants you to live yeah wants you to be healthy and happy yeah. and so another thing it does when there are too many glucose spikes is that it tries to protect you against these high glucose levels so what does it do when your glucose spikes it takes the glucose and stores it in compartments to avoid you know increasing inflammation and glycation too much and one of the main places your body puts this extra glucose to protect you is in your fat cells. Mm -hmm. Putting on weight, putting on fat, is your body protecting you against these glucose spikes. Mm -hmm. So once you see it that way, you should be like, oh, thanks body. Like, Mm -hmm. thanks for protecting me. You know, that cookie was super good. I appreciate that you tried to keep my glucose levels a bit low so it doesn't, you know, hurt me too much. It's just a completely new paradigm. And I want people to know this. I want people to understand how their bodies work and not blindly follow like, the next diet to the next thing. Like we all deserve this information. And I believe this is intuition that we actually used to have, Mm -hmm. that we've lost touch with. And I want to help people get that back. Yes, 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 yes. Just knowing your work that it's not about not eating the carbs, not eating the sweets, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's when you're eating it, it's what you're eating it with, like the combining, it's um, a host of other ways in which you can regulate the spike. Can we start to get into that? Absolutely. So what's wonderful is that there are very gentle things that you can do that don't require you to change what you're eating. They're just really simple 
easy, kind things you can do on a daily basis that help you avoid the spikes without giving up any of the foods you love. When I first learned about glucose spikes, you know, obviously one way to go is you can just say, okay, I'm never going to eat starches and sugars again. But that's not how I want to live my life. Like I love pasta. I love chocolate cake. I'm not giving those up. So I had to find in the scientific studies, these gentle, kind ways of still eating all the stuff I love while reducing the glucose spikes. So I think the most interesting one to start with is eating your food in the right order. So when you're faced with a meal, if you eat the components of that meal in a specific order, you can reduce the spike of the meal by up to 75% without changing the quantity or what you're eating. So the correct order is veggies first, proteins and fats second, and starches and sugars last. And so when you talk about, you know, this collective intuition that I think we've lost, if you look culturally, actually a lot of countries follow this order, but we just don't do it anymore. In France, you know, we used to start all meals with crudité, like raw vegetables. In Italy, it's antipasti. In the Middle East, they start their meals with, you know, a bunch of herbs eaten by the bunch. So it's just a way to show people that there are these very simple pieces of information and knowledge that we can bring back into our lives and avoid mm. the spikes. That's an easy one because you don't have to change anything mm. about what you're eating, but then your cravings disappear, your skin gets better, like mm. your fertility improves. It's a much better life. Wow. I think with food combining then, what do you know what's happening in the body? Because is there a time between them? You know, does it have to be like vegetables, 15 minutes, this, 15 minutes, this, 15 minutes? Is there time involved? You don't have to wait at all. So the way that it works is that vegetables first mm -hmm. is very, very powerful because vegetables contain fiber. Mm -hmm. And when fiber is the first thing that lands in your stomach and then in your upper intestine, Fiber does this like magical, like transformers vibe thing. <laughs> and it deploys itself onto the walls of your upper intestine and makes this protective mesh. And it just stays there. It's like a shield. And then any food that comes mm. down afterwards will not be absorbed as much and as quickly into your bloodstream. So fiber first is really important because then you give fiber the opportunity to do this super magic move. That's why it works. Proteins and fats second, the reason that works as well and contributes to a lower glucose spike is because proteins and fats slow down the speed at which food moves from stomach to intestine. So you're creating a, an environment in which glucose from the starches and sugars afterwards is coming down more slowly into your intestine and is absorbed less thanks to this shield. So you're eating the exact same meal still the same pleasure, you're enjoying the meal with your friends, whatever. It doesn't change anything for your conscious mm -hmm. self. But on the inside, you're helping your body so much mm. not deal with side effects of big glucose spikes. Is there something with, this is a personal question, but many out there who like salads, is there something with raw versus cooked vegetables that might be affecting glucose at all? So actually not that much. Okay. If you cook a starchy vegetable, like a sweet potato or something, to the point of oblivion where it becomes like a puree, then you're kind of, you know, destroying the fiber a bit. Mm -hmm. So the fiber is not as protective. Yeah. But in terms of raw versus just normally cooked, it doesn't make a difference. Okay. Okay, got it. So that's like with a lot of your fruit examples, like the mango. Mm -hmm. It's like the mango in the fruit form, because it has the fiber, is a less 
fresh spike than the dried mango. Exactly. Asking that because she ate that today. And I yeah, yeah, I want to shame her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no but, I actually, but I actually <laughs> notice it. I do notice a difference. When I, eat, when I eat dried mango over like a fresh mango or fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent of difference. There's all just know. some it's ca- so candy good. element of it. But Can't yeah. wait to give it to my kids. <laughs> and you know why there's a candy element to this mm. all? Because over the last centuries, humans have been breeding. What? I don't know. This one's going to be crazy. <laughs> I'm getting ready. <laughs> Get ready, girl. Okay. <laughs> the fruit that you find today in a supermarket is not natural. Yeah, no. It is I not mean, how makes me sad. nature invented and intended it to be. We as humans, just like we've been breeding wolves into chihuahuas, yeah. have been breeding ancestral fruit into the fruit we see today. It's much juicier. It's much bigger. It's more like candy because mm. humans love sweetness. They love something that doesn't have too much fiber in it. So that's important to keep in mind. It's not because it's a fruit that it's like mega natural. That being said, a piece of whole fruit is really completely fine to eat because of the fiber in it. The problem arises when you start denaturing mm. that piece of fruit. So you dry it, you juice it, you smoothie it. Then the fiber just goes like that. And in the case of a dried piece of fruit, all the water gets taken away. So you're concentrating the sugar much more. That's when you're going into the land of candy and of dessert. You can still totally eat them, but in your head, you should think of them as candy and have them like at the end of a meal instead of on an empty stomach or as a snack to reduce the spike in the impact. 100%. What about the combining piece? Are there any foods that should definitely be combined or not combined? So one of my hacks, this is one of many I share in my book, but one of the hacks that people love is called put clothing on your carbs. I love it too. <laughs> she loves that one. I'll never forget it. <laughs> this is a, I love these conversations too because one, it's very applicable to, I'll never forget this stuff. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. won't. I want to like put like a little suit on it. Yeah. You like take yes. my bread, like put, put a little peanut like, butter on it. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, a little, I put like, what's those little black seeds? Uh, <laughs> chia seeds. No. Help. Put her on Cacao. mute. Guys, I should probably. Put her on mute. I should probably head out. Um, if you want, we can have like a little atelier and just like make clothing for bananas. Perfect. That let's would be, that. let's do a glucose goddess retreat and like dress up our bread. That's activity Such day a good two. idea. Yes. I should start a restaurant chain and it's just like carbs with little outfits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That should be it's the book cover. Anyway, the book keep cover. going. Uh, okay, so clothing on carbs. So carbs are starches and sugars, okay? And if you eat them on their own, because they contain glucose, glucose goes into the stomach, into the intestines, into the blood, nothing to stop it. It's living its best life just super quickly into your cells, causing all these issues. How do you avoid that? You have to put clothing on your carbs, clothing on your starches and sugars. Clothing is fiber, protein, or fat. When you do this, when you combine carbs with something else, then you slow down the speed at which the glucose is going to pass from stomach to intestine. You just like mm-hmm. put some breaks on it all. Okay. So the most common examples of putting clothing on carbs are like, instead of having a slice of bread on its own, have some avocado on it, have some peanut butter on it, have a slice of cheese on it. Instead of having a cookie on its own, have it with some Greek yogurt, have it with a handful of almonds, you know? And it actually makes it much more satisfying. And you're not starting that sugar addiction that so many of us mm. are suffering from. So that's, that's a really good one, putting clothing on your carbs. I'm obsessed with that. What about, okay, this is like a, new, like a very kind of granular question around that. So if you're putting, say, butter on bread, mm-hmm. 
Does that help or do you have to eat the butter before the bread? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. You know what I mean? Because it's like... <laughs> Just know. spooning it. <laughs> That's a very good question. Yeah. So everything is relative. Okay. So in an ideal world, yeah, eating the butter before the bread would help. Yeah, yeah. But like... We can't. No, thank you. Yes. Then it's better to eat the butter and bread together. Mm. And that's even better than eating just the bread alone or just the bread and then the butter. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So like you always have a choice. It's always on a spectrum. Nothing is good or bad. It's all relative to what else you would do instead. Very good question though. And, you know, these hacks sometimes, I don't want people to get too like overly stressed about them. You're supposed to do them when they're easy. Mm-hmm. When they reduce stress, if you're having a sandwich, don't decompose the sandwich and have the bread last. Like that just doesn't sound very fun. You know, sometimes you just eat the sandwich. It's totally mm-hmm. fine. Sometimes I don't do the hacks. You know, these are tools in your tool belt. And I want people to take them and compose their music with them. They're not supposed to become right. these rigid rules that you like get stressed out over. Right. With blood sugar, just remind me, is the goal of blood sugar to keep it at a baseline level and not have any spikes or are some spikes good? And then the second question to that is, do we all have different unique baseline levels to our glucose? Mm. Okay, so let's take the second question first. So do we all have unique baselines? We do. And people, for example, of Asian ancestry tend to have higher sort of baseline glucose. It it can vary person to person. Mm. Now, we kind of know that, you know, optimally you want your baseline to be like under 100 milligrams per deciliter. Because above that, it's technically considered prediabetes. Now, the lower it is, the better, actually. So 80 baseline is better than 90 baseline, for example. And then your other question was, is the goal to have zero spikes? No, because you can very easily abuse this objective. If I ate three kilos of butter per day, my glucose would be super steady, but that would not be good for my body, right? So we don't want to over-focus on getting a flat, flat, fat line because you can do that with really unhealthy foods. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is kind of like avoid spikes that are above 30 milligrams per deciliter. So if your baseline is like 90, you want to kind of keep it between 90 and 120 at all times. So we want to reduce spikes and avoid really rapid and big ones that are harmful to the body. But we're not here to become completely obsessed with a flatline. Mm-hmm. So wherever you're starting from, what matters is just getting a little bit better. And by the way, most people don't need to wear a glucose monitor. Like using my hacks, you will feel the difference. You don't need the glucose monitor data to see that difference, especially because the glucose monitors on the market right now are not made for non-diabetics. They're a medical device made for people with diabetes who have a doctor with them who, you know, are being surrounded by experts. So I do not recommend right now that people wear a glucose monitor. I don't. I think it creates more stress um, than it brings help. What do you think about fasting? I'm thinking about the time of day and kind of when we're eating and that, you know, fasting Mm -hmm. sometimes closes the window. Yeah. I think it really depends on you and your body. Yeah. Like technically, it's better to have three meals a day, then three meals plus three snacks. That's pretty well established. From a glucose level. Sorry? From a glucose level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also just from a health standpoint, like yeah. it's better to go a bit longer without eating. So that's a pretty easy thing we can all get behind. Then if you want to do like 18, 6, 12, 12, whatever kind of fasting, it's up to you. But you have to remember that fasting is a stressor for the body. Mm. It's a good stressor. It's like exercise or a cold shower or, you know, a sauna. 
be mindful to not add too many stressors into your life at mm -hmm. once. So if you're busy, you have an intense job, you're already doing a lot of hit workouts, like maybe you don't need to fast on top of that. You know, maybe mm -hmm. just like try to modulate so that your stress level is not always like, Drrr. because sometimes you find people who are doing everything right. They fast for 16 hours a day. They do like intense cardio once a day. They do cold showers. They do saunas blah, and they feel awful. And, you know, they have fertility problems. Their skin is covered in pimples. Like, too much stress is not good. So I like fasting when I'm on vacation and I'm just, like, sitting on the beach. And it feels kind of nice to maybe just have, you know, one or two meals a day. But the rest of the time, I stop doing it. Especially because a lot of the studies that show the benefits of prolonged fasting, like, you know, more than 12 or 14 hours, have been done in men. Mm -hmm. And... Fasting for men seems to be much, much more beneficial. For women, it can kind of mess up with, you know, our hormones. So we have to just, it's not, it's not a blanket like, yes, everybody should fast for 16 hours every single day. I don't believe that's the answer at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's at Lisa Vitti. I remember she yeah. told us that. And I was like, what? Uh -huh. With fasting. I know. It was crazy. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Then hormones. Like, what is the effect yeah. of, of hormones or glucose on your hormones? Yeah. Specifically for women. Absolutely. So all hormonal issues, whether it's endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, infertility, PMS, etc., they are all linked to your hormonal systems because they are all hormones. Now, when there's too much glucose in your body, that leads to too much insulin in your body, mm -hmm. which is you know, released by your body in response to many glucose spikes. And too much insulin is going to start interfering with that hormonal system and start causing mm. problems. So the first place to look if you have hormonal issues is to study your blood sugar levels, is to study your glucose levels, because very often that's the root cause of a lot of issues. It's not always the root cause, but in most people, it's a really powerful place to start and it's very helpful. If you want to get into a bit more detail, which is quite interesting. So when there's too much insulin in your body, insulin goes to your ovaries. And it tells your ovaries to produce more testosterone, testosterone being the male hormone. And then when there's too much insulin in the body as well, your body cannot convert that testosterone into female hormones as it would do normally. So you end up with a female body with a lot of testosterone in it. Mm. And that leads to many symptoms that we call PCOS. So, you know, balding on the head, hair growth on the chin, no more periods, infertility, acne, etc. Very often, there's a blood sugar issue going on there. Mm. So again, you know, to come back to what I was saying earlier, often when we find ourselves with these symptoms, we medicate them, we take the pill to sort of like bring the balance back. We're not solving the underlying issue. We feel bad about these problems. But I want to teach people that, again, these are messages from your body. There's something going on within that needs some help and some love and some empathy and some fixing. Mm. Wow. Because so testosterone is the precursor to estrogen? So your body uh -huh. will convert some testosterone into female hormones. Okay. And that's kind of like a normal cycle. Yeah. But when there's too much insulin, that conversion doesn't work anymore. Oh. So you end up with like this massive testosterone surplus, which is oh. a key thing you see in people who have PCOS. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And are those the conditions that uh, lead to the fertility issues or is that a separate thing? Yeah. So if you have PCOS, PCOS is one of the main causes of infertility in women. You stop ovulating. Mm. So just your ovaries are just like, 
what am I supposed to do again? You know, they just don't yeah. do their job anymore. So you don't have your period anymore. You stop ovulating. It's one of the leading causes, yeah, of infertility. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wanted to ask just briefly about diabetes and yeah. kind of the, because I'm actually not familiar with the reversibility mm-hmm. and how much it's connected to genetics mm-hmm. and then how is it only based on your glucose levels? I just would mm-hmm. love a little refresher so people out there can know too. So there are a few types of diabetes. There's one called type 1 diabetes. And this is the one that you're more or less born with. So you know how I explained that when there's a glucose spike, your body tries to usher the glucose away to protect you? The way it does that is by releasing insulin. So insulin's job is to grab all this extra glucose floating around, like, you know, kids at recess, Mm -hmm. and just put those kids into these classrooms so they will just stop causing havoc. Insulin does just that. It takes the excess glucose and it stores it away in, in your fat cells, in your muscle, in your liver, and in your fat cells. Is yeah. that a fatty mm-hmm. liver disease? It's insulin? one. It's one of the reasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. too much insulin, too much fructose as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. So when there's a problem where your body cannot make insulin, that's called type one diabetes. So what happens is that your glucose levels rise and rise and rise and rise, but no glucose can actually be transported into these cells. So it's very, it's, I mean, people die if they're not treated. So these people have to inject insulin on a daily basis mm, to make okay. up for what the pancreas can't do. That's a very different disease than type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is, used to be called like adult onset, which is sort of a lifestyle disease. And in type 2 diabetes, what do you see? You see a fasting sort of baseline glucose level that is very high above, you know, 140 milligrams per deciliter. That's type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes happens when over time, well, one of the reasons it happens is when over time you've had so many glucose spikes and there's so much insulin in your body trying to put this glucose away that your body becomes desensitized to insulin and insulin doesn't do its job very well anymore. It cannot put the kids into the classrooms anymore. Mm. The teacher becomes, the kids become like, kind of desensitized to the teacher yelling. They're like, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to go in the classroom. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what happens over time. And so in people with type 2 diabetes, you see their insulin levels are very, very high. Their glucose levels are very, very high. It's just like this sea of inflammation and stress. And their organs start to deteriorate. Lots of bad stuff happens. The common way that type 2 diabetes is treated is by giving the patient more insulin they're like, we're just going to get more teachers that's, that are going to scream louder and we're going to make this work. Unfortunately, when you treat type 2 diabetes with insulin, temporarily the glucose level is sort of steady, but you just have to keep bringing more and more insulin to keep the disease under control. What you really need to do is actually get the insulin levels down by getting the glucose levels down so that things can start reversing. So depending on how advanced your type 2 diabetes is, it's usually like pretty well reversible, but it requires the person to make changes to how they're eating. And an easy way you can start is by using the glucose hacks I share because they're really easy, they're gentle, and they help you get those glucose levels and insulin levels down. Mm. And on a daily basis, I receive many messages from people who read my book or just look at the hacks on my Instagram who've been putting their diabetes into remission. So it's really, really cool. And it's not this fatality. It's not this thing you're born with. It's not something you can't do anything about. It's truly, truly linked to how you're eating in your lifestyle. Mm. 
So the glucose piece is one piece of it. There are other pieces to type 2 diabetes, like unhealthy oils that can start clogging up your body as well. But a really important place to start is by looking at your glucose levels. What are, everyone's going to be like, what are the oils? <laughs> what they're, are the oils? They're like the um, the highly like, processed vegetable oils. Like hydrogenated oils. Yeah, exactly. Vegetable oil. Yeah, canola. Yeah, yeah. Canola. Grapeseed. Sunflower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we know them, so. Yeah, black seed. Black. <laughs> I was like... Um, I can't get them out of my head. What was my thing? Oh, I saw you looking at me when I was putting a sweetener in my drink. I was not looking at you. You <laughs> looked at it and you saw what is That's that a projection. Totally I was like, glucose goddess, don't watch. Um, what sweeteners? How are sweeteners? I was like, don't watch me. You know, it's annoying now because when I go to dinner, oh, 100%. People, they're I like, know. oh, don't look at me. I'm ordering dessert. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get dessert too. Like, what are you talking about? People project all their yes, insecurities yes. and their self judgment onto me. Especially, okay. Especially about food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, people fucking lose mm-hmm. their minds. I know. Even I've pl- been plant-based. Every time I eat, it's like, hey, I'm just, I love bacon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> We're all good. <laughs> I, I'm like, they're like, I could try that, but I'm not going to. I'm like, no one literally asked. <laughs> um, so sweeteners, fake sweeteners. Yeah. What's your vibe? I'm going to say one thing before that. Okay. On the judging people and stuff and like telling them what to do. I will never say anything to anyone unless I see somebody who's suffering. Mm. with like has diabetes, is infertile, whatever. And they're eating in a way that's making this worse and they don't know. They don't realize. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to have some orange juice because that it's good for my body. You know, then I'm like, can I tell you some things that might be useful? Then I intervene. Otherwise, like you do you. Yes. And if you're happy and you're thriving and you're only eating cookies, like I have nothing to teach mm-hmm. you because we're all just trying to be happy here. So <laughs> yeah. like, teach me your ways. And are, are some people, before we get into our artificial sweeteners, are yeah. some people less affected i'm married to one and i'm like yeah dude that's a vibe you know he eats healthy with me but i know there's a gatorade 40 40 grams of sugar happening yeah gatorade but i mean it's like i feel like it's a lot of people guys like where Mm -hmm. it's just like have my orange juice i have my Mm -hmm. this i do my that and it's like should i be worried (laughs) (laughs) well maybe everything's fine now and i hope things stay fine but you know, of course, there are individual differences. And some yeah. people are just like these machines that can just, you know, smoke five packs of cigarette a day mm-hmm. and drink and just eat sugar and live to 110 in perfect health. So we don't mm-hmm. know. I know. But if you kind of look at it from a you know biological perspective, you're like, mm, this is probably like not really helping you. He might, he might want to do some blood work just to mm-hmm. see what's like. So he would do like fasting insulin and fasting glucose just to see mm-hmm. because that would be a really good indication because yeah. he may not have symptoms on the outside but he also might know might not know how much better he could feel I if know, he changed slowly because i'm wondering if he's having orange juice or if someone a listener is having something mm-hmm. sweet and then they're working out because he's probably doing yeah, that yeah. he works yeah. out so would that change absolutely if someone is having yeah, something that's a good sweet point with exercises yeah. absolutely exercise, absolutely yeah. so when you exercise your muscles need energy and the first place they're going to look is in your bloodstream and glucose is energy. So, for example, this morning I went to Barry's boot camp. This hit In Venice? Workout place. Yeah. Let's go soon. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> and before I was at the coffee shop, I was like, mm, I want this cookie. And I was like, it's perfect. Zinc. I'm going to work out in an hour. And so I just had the cookie then because I knew the glucose would not stay in my body and my bloodstream and cause problems because my muscles would just soak I it up. See. Yep, you know? Yeah. Yep. So it depends when you eat things. If he works out a lot, he's probably mitigating a lot of yeah. the problems. Yeah. Yeah. I... Okay, I want to I want to pivot a little bit. Sweeteners. Oh, oh yeah, sweet. Yeah, that's what that's what I was. Okay, thinking. sweeteners. So, 
Yeah, dude. Are you guys ready? Okay. So we insert the drums. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That was funny. You're funny. It's always better to have a sweetener than to have the real sugar. So it's always better to have a Coca Coke Zero, Coca Cola Light than to have the real stuff. Sweeteners get a bad rep. They're like, oh, it's causing all these issues. But it's like, well, when you compare them to the issues of real sugar, it's like way less. Mm. So that's number one. Number two, in the big world of sweeteners, there are many different kinds. And some are actually pretty harmless and are probably fine on all levels. The ones that are harmless are things like stevia, allulose, monk fruit. These seem to have very minimal impact on the body and on your health. On the other hand, on the other side of the spectrum, there are things like aspartame, maltitol. Those have more effects, more known effects on your health. Such as? Such as problems with the microbiome, such mm-hmm. as actually triggering glucose and insulin spikes, wow. even though they're not supposed to. Yeah. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think we were talking about that the other day. Maybe it was with you. But mm-hmm. just this, because you're tasting mm-hmm. the sweetness. Yes. Mm-hmm. And but that can it's keep not you addicted. spiking. Yeah. So you're saying it's not spiking, but we're tasting the sweetness and still getting that like It's a little bit confusing what happens and we're not totally sure. There's a few things that seem to be emerging. Like number one, if you taste something sweet, you're going to stay addicted to tasting something sweet. So you're going to be more likely to want more sweet stuff later. Number two, if you have something with a sweetener in it, then you might an hour later be like, oh, I'm now allowed this Kit Kat because I had something with a sweetener before. You know, you get into these weird games in your head about like, oh, that was actually a good health choice so now I can do something bad and it's okay because I compensated it's like bleh Mm. so I'm kind of a proponent of if you love things that have real sugar in them like I don't know like the Van Leeuwen's fudge brownie ice cream (laughs) just just eat the real stuff yeah and then the rest of the time try to sweeten with like whole fruit like berries in your yogurt you know maybe like some cinnamon cacao nibs lots Mm. of stuff you can do that is not necessarily in the sweetener category Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Apple cider vinegar. She yes. brought us some. Our gift was ACV, baby. When I heard about this, I was like, what? Same. Yes. Same. I was like, what is this thing? Is this just a fad? Completely. So you're welcome for your gift. Thank I hope you. you enjoy it. And I hope you send me photos <laughs> of you. that balanced blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic. Can't you like wash your hair with it? I think you can do lots of stuff. Yeah. I think some people use it Crazy. as like deodorant. I oh, don't wow. know. <laughs> it smells so. I mean, it's it's hard for me to drink that. Yeah, yeah. Does it burn you? No, no, no. It's just like <laughs> it starts slow. Burn like a tiny little splash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how I put a tiny little splash in my water bottle? It's like a tiny little tiny, splash, yeah. and you kind of get used to the taste. So, apple cider vinegar, actually, not just apple cider vinegar. Vinegar seems to win the prize for like magical ingredients in the world of glucose. And again, it's been used for centuries in many different cultures as a health thing. So we're just getting back to this ancestral knowledge. But now we know how it works on the inside because we have science Mm. and glucose monitors and stuff. So if you have a tablespoon of vinegar before a meal, you can reduce the glucose spike of the meal by up to 30% without changing what you're eating at all. This tablespoon of vinegar can be either in a tall glass of water, in which case, like, use a straw because it can, you know, hurt your teeth's enamel. Or you can just put it on your food. You can make, like, a vinaigrette dressing and just have it like that. The reason it works is because vinegar contains this magical molecule called acetic acid, 
Now, acetic acid is very cool. So acetic acid, it's kind of the voice it has in my mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Say no more. Acetic acid does a couple things. Number one, in your stomach, it slows down how quickly starches get broken down into glucose. Always this concept of speed, right? Slowing down, protecting. Secondly, it goes to your muscles and it tells your muscles to soak up glucose from your bloodstream in a bigger quantity than normally. So in a sense, it kind of, I wouldn't want to say like mimics exercise, but like kind of uses a similar vibe of like your muscles are going to help you reduce the glucose spike. And so with those two things, you have a smaller glucose spike. So you have fewer cravings later, you're creating less inflammation in your body, you know, you're just helping your physical and mental health improve without having to change much of what you're doing. Some people get a bit fixated on vinegar and they think this is the only thing. It's really not. Like, it's just one of many hacks. You know, it's cool. But if you just do vinegar, you're not going to be able to, you know, vinegar yourself out of a poor diet that's spiking your glucose. It's like one of many things in your tool belt, but it's not the only thing. And so any vinegar works. Apple cider vinegar, red wine vinegar, rice vinegar, whatever. The one you kind of want to avoid is like the very syrupy balsamic. You know, the Mm. aged, like, I mean, it's delicious, but... Not for glucose, you know, uh, reasons. Mm. Totally have it because you like it, but it's not going to help you with your glucose spike. Wow. I wonder why that's how people have salads with vinegar. I'm sure. I'm sure. Historical perspective. It's interesting too. In Asian cultures, there's the cucumbers in vinegar. Yeah. Pickles are huge. You know, in Iran, they, in Iran, they just drink vinegar since millennia. Like grandmothers make vinegar, make apple cider vinegar. It's like a thing. Wow. Yeah. And they just have it like every day. What's been something that surprised you where you're like, whoa, I really didn't expect this thing, this spike to happen, or I didn't expect this to be as responsive Mm -hmm. from a glucose level as it was. So I guess one thing that shocked me is less about like specific foods. I guess like, you know, things like fruit juice or stuff that I thought was healthy, like, you know, the berry blitz uh, smoothie with banana and like uh, raspberries. Yeah. When I was younger, I I went to Jamba Juice a lot when I was like a teenager. And I thought it was so healthy. So that kind of shocked me just to see how much of a spike that creates. But the second thing that shocked me even more actually is to realize how much your breakfast controls your entire day. Mm. Like your breakfast is the queen. If she doesn't have a good time, your whole day is just down the drain. The glucose spike of your breakfast regulates your glucose for the rest of the day. So if you have a big glucose spike for breakfast, right, eating a lot of sweet and starchy foods, the whole day, you're just on a roller coaster like this of cravings and hunger and fatigue and like dopamine and fatigue again. It's like, whoa. So that's why one of the hacks I share with people is have a savory breakfast. Really try to create a breakfast that does not create a glucose spike because you're going to have a completely different experience of your day. It's literally like walking (laughs) to the other side of a mirror. That's how different it feels. Wow. I mean, I used to, yeah, what was like your, I used to eat. I remember I grew up. Special K diet. Special K. My mom had special K with a bunch of sugar on it and an orange juice. I love how special K diet was like, here's this new diet. It's actually just eating our products. (laughs) products. We've got a new thing. Three bowls of cereal, two bars. Three bowls of cereal, two bars a day. I remember. I'm like, this is crazy. I literally was like, this is my dream. (laughs) Absolutely. But it became, you know, the quintessential weight loss cereal. And it was like only 110 calories. And you were like, oh. 
not many calories. Mm-hmm. That's what's most important. The I used calories. to have Sunny D in the morning. Wow. Do you remember fucking Sunny D, dude? Wow. Is that like orange juice? It's orange juice, but like my mouth's watering thinking about yeah. it. It's so it's fucking sugary. It's not natural. It's not natural. <laughs> I, but actually my… You make fun of me for my goat's milk yogurt. When that was I a good one. That was a good one. It was a great fatty, one. Fatty. No, you've always been on point. But it, it was but, just how early. <laughs> and it was just the car you're smell. Like, you're like the goat's <laughs> early. Dude, Lindsay used to eat goat's milk at, in her car at like six on the way to Soul Cycle. Yeah. And her car would smell like goat's milk. It was crazy. But I used, you had to fuel. It, but so much of it was like cereals and, and oatmeals. Not saying they're bad, but now I'm so much more aware of that. I really want to set the tone for my, yes. I almost intuitively know yes. that I don't want to have that pancake with syrup like oh. on the weekend. I'm like, no, no, no. What are we going to have first if we're going to have a little bit of pancake? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And like you can, but you're just going to feel crappy. Yeah. You know, yeah. growing up, I had every single morning from the ages of whatever, five to 15, a crepe with oh. a bunch of Nutella in it. Damn. Wow. That was my breakfast. That's life. Wow, breakfast of champions. Look, she's a model now. I, literally. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> all good. I lived abroad and I remember one time like locking myself in my host family's closet and eating half of their jar of Nutella. <laughs> <laughs> I like remember the moment. It was like out of body. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Where were you? I was in Luxembourg. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, I think they like didn't, I think they like hit it. And I didn't have access to it anymore after that. Wow. <laughs> Nutella is so good. It's, it's so good. So Especially good. in a crepe. It's just… And so now when I'm on a Nutella crepe, what do I do? I have it as dessert after mm. lunch or dinner, right? Because I still want the pleasure. And like pleasure is such an important part of life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's a pleasure decision. I'm like, okay, how do I maximize pleasure, minimize harm on my health? Mm-hmm. That's how I think nowadays, you know? Yeah. So I'll have it like at the end of a meal, a little apple cider vinegar, a cocktail before. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go for a walk. You know, the walk. Yeah. Let's talk about the walk. Well, by now, you know that your muscles are really helpful because if you work out after eating something high in glucose or if you drink apple cider vinegar or any kind of vinegar and it activates your muscles, your muscles are really good at soaking up glucose. They really want it for energy. So the more we can use them, the more we can become allies and be like, okay, body, I'm going to have an Nutella crepe, but then we're going to go for a walk so that you can use that glucose mm-hmm. for energy mm-hmm. for, you know, your leg muscles mm-hmm. instead of the glucose sitting there and causing glycation and inflammation yes. and just making you feel bad. Just a question about the fads, the diets that do not include carbs and many sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's not the the point and the goal, but I guess what is the danger? Danger is such an extreme word, but what is like, I guess what will happen related don't. to glucose if we do that? So if you don't eat anything that contains glucose, so if you don't eat like any keto. starches, yeah, like keto, any starches or sugars, your body actually still needs glucose. So it's going to make it from within. It's going to make it from other foods you're eating. Oh. Yeah. And that's why, for example, every single living thing needs glucose for energy. But dolphins, they don't eat starches and sugars, but they still run on glucose. So the fish they eat, the jellyfish they eat, on the inside, their body transforms a part of that into glucose oh. to fuel their cells. So you don't actually need to eat it. It's just easier if you eat it. And yeah, in an ideal world, we don't eat sugar. We don't eat starches. We're just eating like vegetables and proteins and fats and blah, blah, blah. But actually, that's very difficult for most people. Mm. It's not very easily accessible. That's an expensive diet to be on, yeah. you know? So... I think it's easier if we just consider that starches and sugars are always going to be part of our culture, of our life, of our food environment, and just learn how to eat them in a way that 
optimizes for pleasure and for energy, but does not cause too many harmful side effects. Mm. Alcohol. Let's talk about alcohol. Okay. So alcohol is not a health thing. Like when you drink alcohol, it's a pleasure decision. However, there are some alcohols that are going to be better or worse for your glucose levels. So in the better category, you have wine, any color, sparkling, non-sparkling. You have like hard alcohols with like soda water and lime. So whatever, pick your poison. And then on the side of a bit less good for your glucose, I mean, obviously cocktails Mm -hmm. and, you know, beers that are heavier in glucose. That being said, like if you're having a drink, I would just say like pick whatever you want. Like this is not really a health decision. You know, this Mm -hmm. is like a pleasure decision. Yeah. So I wouldn't overcompensate too much on that and Mm -hmm. just pick whatever you want and make it easy on yourself. Mm -hmm. Caffeine. Caffeine. uh, Good question. So caffeine seems to be pretty fine for most people from a glucose perspective. In some people, caffeine actually creates a glucose spike, not in everybody. And it seems Hmm. to be because in some people, especially those who get like jittery after drinking coffee, caffeine actually activates your stress response. And when you're stressed, your body is going to release a bunch of glucose into your bloodstream to give your muscles energy to run away from a lion. So the biggest spike I ever had was when I was at 23 Me and I gave my first presentation in front of like a whole company, like 300 people. And after it was over, I checked my glucose monitor and I had a spike to like 190, which is just very, very high for a person with that diabetes. And from then on, I learned, oh, it's not just food, actually. A lot of other stuff can impact my glucose levels. Obviously, food is still like the main thing, Mm. but there's all this other interesting interactions between glucose and the way you live your life. Okay. What if I told you that you could unlock the true potential of your body and mind by stirring a crystal wand filled with a special water in your filtered water? Just stirring a little wand. (laughs) I know it sounds too good to be true, maybe a little crazy, but I also felt that way. And then I tried Analemma, coherent water, for now it's going on like three months and I am just like blown away. This is a revolutionary new way to improve your health and well-being. It has been clinically proven to significantly increase the ATP levels. So this is the mitochondrial energy of your body, like the energy source of your cells. It significantly improves your gut health by improving the state of your microbiome. And it provides up to 12 years, 12 years of biological age rejuvenation within only three months of drinking this water. Imagine that. (laughs) So more energy, healthier gut, clearer mind, and a youthful body. Okay. Yes, please. Let me explain exactly what analemma is. This is a crystal wand filled with mother water. The mother water that Analemma creates takes about a year to create. And the science behind it is truly fascinating. The water inside the crystal wand has the ability to rearrange the H2O molecules into a liquid crystalline structure. So it basically makes them match its own liquid crystalline structure. Uh, That structure and its stability has a remarkable influence on all living things. They have done many, many, many studies on plants. 
where plants were watered with analemma water and then watered with regular water, the plants with analemma water grew more quickly, more vibrantly, were more sturdy and stable. It's really, really fascinating. They have a bunch of the science and studies on their website. But y'all, I've been using it for three months and I swear the water tastes different. I find that my energy has increased and I'm just excited to keep using it. It is literally 30 seconds of stirring your filtered water and that's it. That is it. So you must try. Go to coherent-water.com. You can use the code ALMOST30 for 15% off. And make sure to listen to our interview with Mario from Analemma Water. He goes into all the science and it's really fascinating and inspiring what they're doing over at Analemma. Head to coherent-water.com, C-O-H-E-R-E-N-T-water.com. Use the code ALMOST30 for 15% off. Whoa, like what else? So that was a stressor being public speaking, which is something that is fearful. What else? So if you exercise and you're fasted, especially if you do like a hardcore exercise, your body is going to release glucose into your bloodstream to feed your muscles. So you're going to see a glucose spike on a glucose monitor. But this is not a bad spike because in the balance, when you're exercising, you're reducing inflammation, you're reducing glycation. So it's actually like one of those instances where the glucose spike is not going to be harmful. Those are like sort of the acute Uh, spike creators, but then things like how sleep deprived you are, how hydrated you are, how much muscle mass you have, what phase of your cycle you're in, your genetics, obviously your microbiome, they all influence how you respond to foods and how big or how small of a glucose spike you're going to get. So for example, the week before your period, let's say that every morning you have a Nutella crepe. The week before your period, that same Nutella crepe is going to make a bigger spike than usual because of all the hormonal fluctuations going on. So as a result, the same food you're usually eating is going to be much more likely to create this cravings roller coaster, even though you're not changing what you're mm. eating. So that's one of the cases where it's like super important to think of the hacks so you don't create even more cravings than usual. Whoa. Yeah. And what about sleep? related? To, so glucose related to sleep, part A is like, eating near bedtime or near when you wake up? And would there be reasons glucose related that people would be waking up during the night Mm -hmm. or not getting deep like REM Mm -hmm. sleep? Yeah, absolutely. So glucose and sleep are like peas in a pod. They affect each other in very many ways. So if you go to sleep and you just had a big glucose spike for dinner, you're going to have a harder time falling asleep. You're going to have more REM sleep. So more, more like dreaming, but less deep sleep. And you can definitely wake up during the night when your glucose crashes after a spike. So if you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, looking at your dinner and using my hacks to like create a meal that's not going to spike you too much is really important. Then if you wake up and you're tired, your body's going to have a harder time dealing with the food you're going to eat that day. It's just like, you know, it's just tired. Like your systems are just sleepy. So again, the same breakfast you'll have every day. On those days when you're tired, it's going to create bigger glucose spike. So it's sort of a like, you know, symbiosis, symbiotic mm-hmm. relationship. Very cool. I definitely noticed that with mm-hmm. sleep. Mm. I will wake up in the middle of the night and then, yeah, I can't fall asleep if I've eaten past eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Like the later you eat, yeah. the more it's going to affect your sleep. 
Yeah. I think I dinner do. at like four. Yeah. So I love having early dinners. Like I love having dinner mm-hmm. at six. But then when I go back to France, people have dinner at nine. I nine cannot. Yeah. I don't and know they how look you at me it. like I'm crazy. They're like, you want to have dinner at six? Like, are you okay? I'm like, guys, you don't know. Like, yes. It's better in America. That's <laughs> true. I don't know how. How do you think they do it then? It's a good question. I think they're just used to it. Yeah. So for them, like it's normal to wake up feeling tired and have a bunch yeah. of coffee. Like, But I think yeah. we're also very tired. Yeah. yeah. For different reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so true. You know what I mean? I think. That's so true. Yeah. But I've always wondered that. I'm like, how do they do that? Because it's interesting. Some people like to sleep with a full stomach. Mm. That helps them sleep. Mm. But I'm like, no, I need. So to. sometimes if you have sleep issues and your body's not producing enough melatonin, which is the sleep hormone, actually having some carbs at dinner is helpful because they can help your body create melatonin. Mm. So. It's a bit of a like a witchcraft potion to figure out like <laughs> mm-hmm. how to optimize your sleep. I started wearing earplugs. I sleep as you know, as dark yes. as possible, yes. as cold as possible. Cold. But then it's like such a production every time. Such a production. <laughs> I got a, an it's eye worth mask. It. An eye it mask is, helps a lot. Eye mask is eye mask yeah. helps Clutch. so much. Yeah. yeah. Which one do you have? I have the like manta ray one. You do. Me. Yeah. Oh, I have the cool. blue box one. Huh. It's got the little out. cups. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, it's like yeah. every night. I'll like be sleeping and then my cat will like jump on me. I'm like. Oh, cute. It's so sweet. I'm like, hello, little kitty. Um, With you, I guess just to kind of transition for a little while, I'm sure so many people want to know about you, like who you are. They probably love you, love your work, are just so inspired by you. So what is, if you could define, I guess, this chapter of your life, what would you you title it? I love that question. (laughs) I ask that question. The like, the waking up of the dragon. Yeah, because I feel like now that I've accomplished what I've accomplished and we've done everything I've done, I think now the next step for me is to just step into my power even more in the areas in my life where it's still very shadowy and, you know, not super powerful and just kind of, you know, put my balls on the table and be like, this is what I want to do. This is what I believe people need. Like, I'm just going to do it. Do you want to help or not? And just kind of like, feeling more confident mm-hmm. about everything behind me to actually say, yeah, I mean, my intuition has brought me to a good place so I can listen to it even more and just become, I think, just more powerful. That's what, the vibe. what are the shadowy areas? So I grew up in a family, well, with my mom and my sister, where there was very little anger in the house. Mm-hmm. So I was never taught how to have a healthy relationship to anger. So when I then, you know, went off on my own and starting, started seeing men, Whenever they would get angry, to me, it would be like as if they had like pooped in their hand and put the poop all over the wall. That was the <laughs> level of like shock I was in. Like, you're angry? Like, this is like not okay. Like, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> That's really how yes. I felt. And so being able to, you know, reclaim my anger and be like, this is actually something that is super powerful. And I want to use it because I feel like, you know, I'm applying it right now to nutrition. I might apply it to other stuff in the future. But I feel like... The amount of misinformation people are getting in this space and how they're being just hit over the head with diets and stupid stuff and how they're just so disconnected and suffering so much. Like, I just really want to lead this revolution. And I think in order to do that, I need to be fully in my power. I had a dream a few years ago where I turned into this kind of like ghost woman that was like floating above ground and all of her chakras were just red and glowing and just like rah. and in my dream I was like screaming rah. Mm-hmm. so that's 
the person that I think I'm becoming in this mm. chapter. Like somebody fully embodied, fully just like mm -hmm. there, you know, mm -hmm. unapologetic. Mm -hmm. you and your dreams. Sorry, just your dreams. You've mentioned a few times. I have a lot of dreams. They sound like prophetic. So last night uh, I had a dream that I was hanging out with aliens. And then this morning I come in to meet you guys and you're like, what kind of alien are you? Like, this must be. Yes, we were hanging out before. <laughs> must be the exactly. place. Yeah. yeah, I have crazy dreams every night. I remember them all. They're wow. very elaborate, very different, like just full-blown stories, really visual um, quite complex, like emotionally too. But they're never like really scary or nightmares. It's very rare. They're more just like these rich downloads of stuff. Wow. And mostly I'm just like, okay, like <laughs> cool aliens with like cool little. So last night it was like, we had these lines under our skin like this that were glowing. And we were going up to all these people who had the lines and we're like, oh, you're an alien too. They were like, what are you talking about? And we said, well, look at the lines. Like, I don't see any lines. So, you know, I mean, whatever. That was, that's so wild. <laughs> I know. Because wow. we recognize that in each other. And exactly. then others can't recognize mm -hmm. it. Because yeah. mm -hmm. once you see it, you can't unsee it. Totally. Yeah. We were it's walking like, by the coffee shop downstairs yesterday or something. Mm -hmm. And we were like, creatures. Oh, wow, dude. It was But they're like normal people. You know what I mean? Normal people. <laughs> we were like, oh, yeah. huh, I wonder what kind they are. Yeah, we're like, yeah. hello. Where'd they come from? It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's profound and as someone who just met you I really feel I felt the fire when you walked in yeah. in the most like fun powerful way and I think like you know the anger is so important and I think your ability to like bring light in a way that's so true is also like can be confronting to people too you know I think there's going to be some of that type of fire yeah as well but yeah have you had that I think so far, I have actually kind of operated from a place of trying to placate, find consensus, be really like on the defensive mm. and like, it's going to be okay. I hear you. And like, it's very recently, actually, I think as of probably yesterday that I feel like, oh, I'm transitioning now into this, this more like powerful place. But my entire first three years of building my Instagram community, writing my first book has been about how do I deliver this message in the least confrontational, yeah. least politically incorrect way that, you know, takes into account everybody's opinion, doesn't offend anybody, you know, doesn't say that this is bad. I mean, and I think it's a really good exercise to get there because you don't actually need to be confrontational to deliver a good message. But there are some parts where now it's becoming clear that unless I apply, you know, some power and fire to it, it's just not going to work. And in the past, every time I would feel angry, I would immediately revert to being sad. You know, like anger, oh, sad. I would cry and cry and cry because I didn't have access mm -hmm. to the fully, you know, embodied yeah. anger part of me. So it was always, it would always be a little bit angry and then, oh, I would start crying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I'm able to get, you know, to feel that anger and that power without transmuting it into sadness, which mm -hmm. is cool. Yeah, if I don't alchemize my anger, I get depressed. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. How do you alchemize it? I'm still learning. I go like this. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I just, I, I can notice now much more clearly, but I think for a lot of my life, a lot of my depression was because of anger that I wasn't alchemizing or using for mm -hmm. creation or using for sex or using for doing things, mm -hmm. kind of like pulling on that and just making it into something or making it into like a step or a process, but I think that can be true for a lot of women mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, angry, not safe. We'll cry. It wasn't modeled, right? Yeah. We don't know how to I mean, we angry. got put in corners. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you're like you're a kid and you're angry, it's like go in the corner and be alone in the corner because being angry is making me uncomfortable. Yes. Or it's like, why are you angry? Yes. You have such a beautiful life. You yeah. have everything you need. Just the smile. kids are like, I don't know about the 401k you have set up for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just want to feel <laughs> this fucking emotion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Or, you know, even women leaders, like if they get angry, they're like, label this crazy. I mean, 100%. it just hasn't been modeled. So I think it's our generations. I think one of our very many things to do mm-hmm. which is to just show the modeling of the more traditionally like masculine energy emotions in women glucose revolution is the book if you haven't gotten it yet it's a must it's one of those that i feel one i've been thinking about during this interview i'm like i think i'm gonna possibly present it to a few people who have been having issues mm-hmm. you know who have kind of tirelessly been searching for answers and trying different diets and yeah. i just find it to be simple and also kind of far-reaching in what it affects so yeah glucose revolution is a book that is empowering because it teaches you how your body works in a way that you have never been taught before and it shows you these very kind and simple things you can do that are truly transformative and I think it's a good reflection of just like my approach to all this which is it's loving it's human it's easy it's not confrontational it's not stressful it's it's actually like a little miracle that I was able to find these scientific studies and turn them into these hacks that are really, really easy and that are so healing. So it's kind of a little gift, I think, from the universe through me to you. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's exactly. When you were talking, I was like, wow. (laughs) Your highest self is like, isn't this a miracle? (laughs) Literally, it's like, completely. yeah, it's like, wow. It's true. And I think that's why I just haven't processed it all, you know, because it doesn't feel... Yeah. This whole journey, you know, and from the outside, it's like a lot of success. It hasn't inflated my ego like I have not like taken this on as like Mm. this thing I made you know Mm -hmm. which is which is a cool place to be and I'm just really proud of that as well I just feel like I was here to just channel this Mm -hmm. yeah totally I'll keep you humble. Well, thank you. This has been a humble blast. I love it. I'm so grateful you came. Uh I'm so grateful that you invited me. I'm just, I was really excited to do IRL. Yeah, I know. Like, what the yeah. heck? I know. I wish you guys were here because it was bang, bang. Yeah, the best. Okay. Also, you're the only guest that's picked up crystals. Oh, yeah. Ever. Really? Mm-hmm. No, I feel like we have maybe one. I don't remember anybody. You can, if you say someone. Yeah, I know. I I'm believe trying you. to think. But I don't remember. She walked over right away, yeah. picked those three up. Do you know why? Oh, I picked up crystals from ours. Yes. I thought you brought those for yourself. And then put them no, as a little wall. Yes, from Well, then you're ours. right. Then you're right. You're the Any, only one. What's the reason? I don't know. I think maybe these are us. Which Love. who am I? I don't know. Which one you want to be? Money. She wants, she wants you to pick the, the most beautiful. beautiful. Money. <laughs> one I'm the most beautiful money. Yeah. Which one you want to be? Oh. I know. Earth. Yep. I knew you were gonna pick yes! that one. <laughs> Earth, baby. When our powers combine. <laughs> oh my god. Thank you so much. You we so love much. you. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Jessie. Make sure you're following her on Instagram at Glucose Goddess. Her new book is Glucose Revolution. Yeah, it was such a pleasure to have you in the studio. If you want more from Almost 30, I highly suggest subscribing. We have episodes every Tuesday, Thursday. We have more than 550 in the bank that are life changing. We have morning microdose for you for those daily doses of inspiration and insight. And then we have courses and programs at almost30.com. So we have the life edit for all those people that want to edit their life. We have sacredness of being single to support you in your single season. Mm -hmm. We have the law of one. If you're curious about learning about things like unity, 
and oneness. And then we have our membership, which is a beautiful way to connect in community with like-hearted souls. Yeah, we appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your listenership. And we will see you on the next episode, babies. We'll see you soon.